The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. On any given day in Ireland, approximately 60,000 children do not show up for school. In some cases, perfectly good reason for not turning up, like illness. But for some young children, there's more to it. A school can cause a significant amount of distress and that can lead to a lack of school attendance. How do you deal with what's called school avoidance? Well, we're joined now by clinical psychologist Mark Smith. Mark, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Um, It's called school avoidance or school refusal. Um, You prefer the former term. I do, Pat. I think when when we talk about school refusal, it it gives the impression that it's a a behaviour, it's defiance, it's oppositional, that they're just refusing to go because they're bold. And certainly for the majority of children, I would see it's not the case at all. They they do want to go to school, but the idea of going activates such an anxious response in them that they feel that the only way they can cope with that anxiety is by staying at home and avoiding it. Um, How does it arise? I mean, what are the issues that would make a child anxious about attending? I think there could be a lot of different reasons, um, and depending on the age of the child. So with very young children, it could be an anxiety about separating from their parent, worrying that the parent, if something will happen to them, the parent won't back to, to pick them up. With older children, a lot of the time it could be because of maybe fears of bullying around academic expectations that they can't meet them. Or particularly with teenagers, worrying about fitting in, not feeling like they're not good enough, that they're going to be judged and that they, they will feel anxious and embarrass themselves. Uh, sometimes there are uh, kind of unique things attaching to, to one child or another. Uh, some child just might not like, for example, the toilets in a school. Yeah, it, it, sometimes we're not going to really know the reason why. Um, and, and sometimes the child can't explain it. And that can be a source of frustration for parents where they're trying to understand what is the specific reason. And, and sometimes the child just doesn't know. What they know is that they associate school with feeling bad, that I get this uncomfortable, unpleasant feeling inside and I don't want that feeling to happen. So we can sometimes get caught up a little bit in trying to find out all the reasons why. But I think what's more important is being able to connect and validate the child's emotion and find ways to help them support and manage it. Yeah. Um, To what extent are the issues sometimes diagnosed as academic? In other words, um, they're uncomfortable with the teaching. Now, there could be a dyslexia, dyspraxia. There could be something underlying that is not diagnosed at an early stage. Yes, that's certainly one of the things that you would consider um, and look and see, is it around, do they need extra support? Is it that they're anxious because they, you know, they might get asked to read aloud in class and and they have an unrecognised or undiagnosed dyslexia? Um, So it is important when we're looking at this, again, moving away from this idea of school refusal, that there could be multiple different factors. And really what we need to do is to try and differentiate each of those and understand what's going on for the child and not have sort of a confirmation bias of, you know, I think they're just being bold and refusing to go. Now, if you miss uh, some school when you're five years old, um, it may not be that important because often a parent who's concerned can try and make up for, you know, reading uh, exercises and things like that at home. Obviously, as you get to secondary school, losing academic time can be more important. Is this something that is grown out of when it starts in babies or in primary school? Um, it, it can do. Um, I suppose what's really important is that it, it doesn't become a habit. So irrespective of what age that it starts at, 
um, if the child or young person gets to avoid school because they're feeling anxious, they're going to want to repeat that behavior. So they, you know, you can catch up at any point. I've had teenagers who've been out of school for a year, year and a half, and we've managed to support them back into school to catch up academically to be able to do it. So I think with with older children, if they are missing something academically and if you just cannot get them to school, that school would send school work home and they can kind of keep up that way. But I think what's really important for, for any parent that's listening, if their child has been out of school for a while, is that it's never too late to support them and to, to get them back and to, to make up either socially or academically. The problem, of course, once you've missed a bit of school and then you go into school and uh, your classmates will say, where were you? What were you doing? What happened to you? Yeah, that is, especially for older children, that is one of their biggest fears about returning back to school. And, and ironically, one of the things that, that COVID helped with it, it was it gave a really reasonable excuse for for why they're out. I'm sorry, I had COVID, mom had COVID, you know, and, and that worked. So with teenagers in particular, I would work with them and kind of explain that, yeah, they, they may ask. And you can use something generic like I was unwell or something was up or we were away. And and. The other piece, I suppose, that reassures them is that, that children have quite short attention spans and, and lots of things happen. We live in a very fast paced world, particularly with social media. So they, they do move on. And we know what we used to talk about, you know, yesterday's chip paper. Um, and it is kind of acknowledging, yeah, they may ask and it may be uncomfortable, but they will move their attention onwards and that you won't be the center of attention because particularly teenagers and younger, you know, young, young teens are terrified about being the focus of attention on them. So we have to work and say, look, there will be, but it will pass. And it's about giving them that confidence that once you mm. stick with it, that anxiety will pass. And one of the issues, as you mentioned, is trying to keep up with the schoolwork so that there isn't a huge deficit when, when you finally persuade the child to go back. If they've fallen very far behind in particular subjects, um, it'll maybe compound their difficulty in going to school. Like, I'm so far out of touch. What's the point? It does. And, and that's, I suppose, why we have to help the young person to see that we understand that their instinct is to avoid so that they don't feel bad. But actually, it, it could bring more focus of attention on them. So if you've been out for a couple of days, when you come back, well, where have you been? And then you get to worry then about, um, you know, what if they miss the schoolwork? So we start off with, with some little what ifs and those what ifs. So what we know is, is anxiety is contagious. It moves into lots of different areas. So one what if can move into lots of what ifs. And then it becomes something that they feel completely overwhelmed by and then think, I can't go back because it's just too much. Now, the the question of uh, some of the triggers that, you know, would indicate it's school time, uh, like the uniform, for example, putting on the uniform, most schools would have some sort of uniform. And that is what triggers the child saying, no, I'm not putting that on. I'm not going to school. Is there a way of getting over that? I think the, the most important thing is, is about consistency and routine and, and rather get into a battle of I'm not putting it on because then you're, you're getting into an argument and a debate whether they are or they aren't. It's really important to name what's going on for them and to validate and say, look, I know you're saying you don't want to put it on because you're, it looks like you're a little bit nervous. It looks like you're a bit anxious. You're worried about something. So we got to engage them specifically about what internally is going on for them rather than the behavior on the outside, because if we get into I'm not putting it on a battle then we're really not recognizing emotionally what's going on for the child. So it's important to preempt that. If that becomes a pattern, even before we get to the uniform, say, look, do you remember yesterday, this this was something that kind of kicked off a little bit. It seemed like you're a little bit worried. How can we make that a little bit better? So we, we talk and engage with them about how we help them to do it rather than do we do it or do we not? Uh, does the school have a role to play in making a return to school easier? 
absolutely they're they're crucial and and they're they're fantastic support and and parents you know it's okay to talk to the school about it they're going to be very very familiar with it and many schools will will have a you know they'll been through this process they know how to help both parents and the young people i think one of the things that's happened over the last little while and particularly after covid is that there have been specific toolkits that have been developed for schools to actually help and support students in a consistent way so the the sipsi the children and young person services committee they have developed a full pack that actually helps and supports teachers in in how to create a safe environment and to a predictable environment to, to, to get children back to school again. I'll read you out some of the comments. They're very interesting. Um, my son started refusing to go to school when he was in second class around the time they started doing joined handwriting. It turned out that he has dyspraxia, which interfered with his ability to coordinate movements. Unfortunately, he was also bright enough to realise that he should be doing better than he was, and this caused considerable anxiety. In such circumstances, it's reasonable for someone to want to avoid situations that are causing stress. Thankfully, help from occupational therapy allowed us to overcome this problem and now he's a happy child in sixth class. Sometimes it's not the obvious things like bullying that cause stress and anxiety in younger children. So teachers should be aware of other potential reasons and parents should feel empowered to engage with schools on a non-confrontational basis. That's from Brian in Dublin. Another one. My son is 17. Since October, he's only been going to school once or twice a week. He has severe anxiety and is totally lost. We're seeing a psychotherapist, but he doesn't seem to be getting any better. He's so lost and upset. We are heartbroken for him. And before I go back to you, uh, Mark, to get your comments on these, a last one. I was in secondary school during the initial boom of Instagram and posting edited selfies. My self-esteem was so low during these years, I stopped going to school on days where I had a breakout of spots. Uh, I was tired in my appearance or having a bad hair day. It sounds ridiculous, but as a teenage girl who presents herself to her peers online in a certain way that is utterly unrealistic, looking anything but uh, that image is not good enough. It's terrible when you look back on all of this pressure. Mark. They are all very frequent, very common and and very familiar to me from my conversations with young people. And, And I think just on that last point, just that comment of it sounds ridiculous, it doesn't. And I think that's one of the things that we have to kind of when we're talking to someone who's anxious is stop them invalidating themselves where they say it's ridiculous to protect themselves from feeling judged. So worrying about your appearance as a teenager, worrying that you don't look good enough, that you don't match your selfie profile, that makes sense. You know, that is a valid worry. Now, is it a a valid enough reason not to go to school? That's more debatable how we manage that. But I suppose what we don't want to do is for people to get into a pattern where they say, look, my anxiety doesn't make sense. It's wrong. It's silly. It's stupid because you already feel bad enough in yourself. And if you invalidate yourself, it's going to make it much harder. I think that piece around the dyspraxia and and getting that supportive occupational therapy, I think that was a brilliant example, because what it did is that that parent looked at it with a curiosity, not with a, a narrow lens of I think this is what it is and what could be going on. And you see that a lot with young children where they have their own internalized expectations of what I should be. And it's not coming from parents saying, look, you you have to be great at handwriting. You have to be great at this. They develop their own perceptions of I'm not good enough because, you know, I missed a couple of spellings because I didn't do joined up handwriting. And, And having that curious wondering about what might be going on allows us to consider all of the possible reasons. And that uh, other comment about uh, a son who's 17, severe anxiety, totally lost and uh, visiting a psychotherapist not doing any good. I, I think when, when 
anxiety is, is quite severe and when it's chronic then we look at need to look at perhaps maybe more more specialized supports um something like like mental health services maybe to go into your gp and um, there is probably when things are, are quite chronic and severe a role for considering medication to allow for a short period of time to help support that person to to manage anxiety in the short term so the more severe and chronic a difficulty is the more likely it is that you should link in with your gp maybe to get some more specialized support uh, one here says democratic schools would be a great alternative to children who are struggling with school refusal. This self-directed form of learning supports children and young people emotionally and promotes well-being that complements education. Well, that's, a, I suppose, a debate for another day where uh, kids decide what exactly they're going to do today in uh, the hours at school or indeed whether or not to do anything at all. Um, probably a different debate. Uh, Mark, if we wanted to point parents who are listening to this conversation in any direction, uh, what would that direction be? Uh, well, on, on the Tusa YouTube channel, there's a full webinar about back to school anxiety and particularly how to support children with it. For schools, the Fingal Sipsy toolkit to, to help them to get back on track or in terms of getting and maybe engaging with a psychologist to help support it, the Psychological Society of Ireland find a psychologist section. Very good. All great resources. And Mark Smith, clinical psychologist, thank you very much. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.